Welcome to Keeping Athena Company. Hi, Athena. No, 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 I'm starting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to intro. Wait, 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 wait. I'll do an introduction and then and then we'll go. Okay. Um, My name is Athena Kabenu. I'm a stand-up comedian, writer, now a podcaster, because I've done like about five of these now. So I think that makes me a podcaster, doesn't it? Um, and I'm a mum. Isn't that cool? Yeah. It's, it's cool. But unfortunately, my child is quite young and she can't really speak in any language I understand. So what I do is I invite my friend around to come around, have a chat, keep my company, and I record it. This week, I invited around... Actually, she's going to tell you what she is and what she does. Kate Weston! <laughs> What am I? I'm a writer. Are you a writer? I'm a writer. What do you write? Um, I am writing a fiction book for young adults at the moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you write a book? I am. Um, am I right in thinking that you can't talk about this book? I can't talk about this book. Right. Are I'm you, sworn you to writing a book? Yes. No, I'm <laughs> can't talk about it. <laughs> can't it's, talk about it at all. <laughs> it's all extremely secret and I can't say anything. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for you. Yeah. Um, and, but we have to leave it there. So what should we do if we'd like to know in the future about this mysterious book that you can't talk about um i would follow me on social media oh okay how do we do that and um my name for twitter and instagram yeah is at kate Eliz weston okay um and yeah i would follow me on social media and mm. i should be making an announcement in the next couple of weeks and is this your first book it is my first book okay um there's been other attempts okay so let's talk about the other attempts no let's do that <laughs> have you always attempted to write young adult fiction no um as you know because i met you um i used to be a stand-up comedian yes you did um and i went through various stages of thinking maybe i could write like some kind of funny self-help book um like adrian mole yeah um, maybe I could write like um, a, a steamy romance novel. Oh yeah, which I've still <laughs> not completely said goodbye to that dream. I think that's maybe for my retirement. You could win the Bad Sex Award. I love the Bad Sex Awards. I just I think that would be an honour to yeah. win the Bad Sex Award. And it's all really outrageous things. Like they use really outrageous similes for like intercourse. It's really funny. Yeah. He's like. Then they stirred the coffee with the spoon. What? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Which bit's the coffee? Yeah, and what's the spoon? Why is it stirring? Oh, actually, no, I know why it's stirring. Anyway, so... Uh, just call it a vagina, don't call it a coffee. Yeah. Am I allowed to say vagina? Um, yeah, just my podcast. <laughs> when, I, when I stopped doing stand-up, one of the things I really didn't miss, though, was the audience members that come up to you afterwards and say things like, would you like me to tell you why I didn't laugh? And yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of like... Would I come up to you in your day job and be like, would you like me to tell you why you're rubbish at your job? Yeah, you forgot to carry the one and that's why your company didn't pay enough tax. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, you know, oh, I, don't, I don't normally like women, but you're really funny. Yeah. I think that's really odd. And it's not often women that say that. It's quite well documented. It's often women that give that. Yeah. But did you enjoy performing stand-up comedy? I loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Um, there were times when I would cry the whole journey home, but oh, that was no. fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> it had its ups and downs. Um, it's quite a... I guess it's quite a difficult industry to go into if like, I have quite bad social anxiety and anxiety in general and I think it's quite a um maybe foolish thing to do when you have that sometimes in some ways but it's also quite a good thing to do because I think it sort of opened me up a bit more and made me a bit braver and made me a bit like do you know what a room full of people just laughed at me and maybe I'm all right did you know you had 
anxiety before you became a stand-up comedian. Yes. You did. Okay. And it was sort of, so I had really bad anxiety and depression all through my teenage years. And when I started doing stand-up, I'd just come out of a really bad period where I couldn't leave the house. Oh, um, wow, okay. And I'd become quite sort of like... So were you agoraphobic? Not really properly because it was only a few weeks where I couldn't actually leave the house. The rest of the time it was like my boyfriend shuffling me out the door and um, I'd finally just got myself into work. So I'd got a job and I suddenly got really like brave and we were sat in the pub one day and he was like, you know, why don't you start doing music again? Because I was a musician and I said, "Um, to be honest, I'd rather do a stand up gig with no preparation. And <laughs> was that a <laughs> random thought or had you harboured that idea? I'd sort of harboured it a bit yeah. because um, I like stand-up. It makes me laugh when I'm really depressed. And I sort of thought that must be such a nice thing to do when you're quite depressed yeah. to be in a world of like laughter. This medicine really helps. If I could make my own medicine, like if I could become my own drug dealer. Yeah. Yeah. But did it work? Uh, sometimes <laughs> I think when I first started and someone came up to me and they were like you're really funny like you should do more of this I was like wow this is amazing yeah. and then you start having the bad gigs don't oh, you yeah. and you start having the people going you're not funny you should give up yeah go back to your day job what were you thinking it's kind of like audience members other comedians promoters Always audience members. Um, wow, okay. I found that other comedians were normally quite supportive. Yeah. Um, I think because you're all in one big boat together, aren't you? Yeah. I've listened, I've listened back to some of my old gigs from like, you know, 2014. I'm like, why didn't anyone tell me? You know, I was like, be less supportive. <laughs> you know, I was really bad. <laughs> some of the stuff I used to say. Um, and that's probably the kind of, those kind of days we were crossing paths, on, especially on the, yeah. on the London circuit. But you do... You do grow. I want to talk more about the anxiety and depression you suffered as a young person. Yeah. We don't have to talk about what caused it or anything no. like that, but how, what do you think has probably helped you um, navigate your way through that? Yeah. So um, kind of a, an array of things. And I yeah. still have really, really bad days. Um, but I've also got a really supportive boss, which helps. Right. Who, when I'm having a bad day, is like, hey, do you want to chat? Do you want to not chat? And that's really helpful. And what do you do? Uh, I work in publishing. Okay, so you work in publishing and you're a writer. You're yes. a very accomplished person. More, <laughs> more accomplished as this podcast goes on. Okay, so you've got a supportive boss. Um, yeah, I got a kitten. That helps. Yes, kittens help. <laughs> um, I went to therapy. I went right. to lots of different kinds of therapy. I went to um, CBT and I went to group therapy, which was... I think the best thing I did. Group therapy? Yeah. So what does that involve? Because I've heard of it, but I didn't know that people... People talk more about one-to-one therapy these days. Yeah, so someone said to me, one of the therapists I was seeing was saying, you know, I think the best thing for you is group therapy. And I looked at him and laughed and was like, that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. My name is Kate. (laughs) My name's Kate and I think I'm a bit of a loser. And I sort of got to my first therapy session, looked around and I was just in a room full of people that were just like me, essentially. Um, And I was like, I don't really see how this can help. Like I absolutely categorically don't see how sitting with loads of people who are exactly the same as me is going to help me with anything. Um, And actually it really did because you find that a lot of the people there have the same struggles as you and you sort of find a way to work around them together. Yeah. Or you find you have like conflicts within the group. Um, and you commentate and you, on that. It's funny, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
And the fact that you get over those conflicts and you carry on and you're still a human, like, yeah. I think one of my big things used to be that I was worried about people hating me. Mm. And there was someone in group who hated me and I survived. And I was a bit like, okay, you don't like me. That's fine. Right. No, it was going to like us. Yeah. I remember coming to, comedy helped me come to that conclusion. Someone's always said something that really helped me when I did my very first Edinburgh. And they said, look, a third of people are going to love you third of people are going to hate you and a third of people just aren't going to care. And I thought, <laughs> and a light bulb went on and I thought, that is so true. And we spend our whole lives walking into a room and wanting everybody to love us. And that's just, not everybody loves Homer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no one, not everyone likes the Odyssey. They think they find it ridiculous. <laughs> you know? As a literary person, by the way, I, when you said Homer, I was like, is she talking about The Simpsons? <laughs> I, I really think I've earned my place in publishing. Say and then I was like, that's a bit niche. You know, the father of history. I don't know if you, I don't think people are going to care about that. And then, then, then it went to Homer. But not everyone likes either of those guys. Um, who are your favourite young adult <laughs> writers at the moment? Um, uh, there's so many of them. So <laughs> I've always loved Louise Renison. She was my absolute fave. Okay. And there's a whole new sort of wave of, of young adult writers. Um, there is, at the moment I'm reading a book by Laura Bates, okay. who was the everyday sexism lady. Oh, right, okay. Um, called The Burning, which is a combination of like, talking about slut shaming and revenge porn and witchcraft um <laughs> drop witchcraft in there yeah <laughs> is she a witch does she practice witchcraft no that became and... a thing for a little while do you remember when it became a thing to be a witch yeah when we yeah. were teenagers yeah. there was like you had your tarot cards and your what were they rune stones and people and... Were burning stuff I yeah know. yeah very weird in the 90s we were but we didn't really have the internet we well, we had the almost so, internet, which is yeah. worse. So we're like, this could be great, but all we're doing right now is taking three hours to download one song. So yeah. whilst you're waiting for this song to download, let's cast a spell. What other yeah. writers do you like to be great? Uh, there is a new writer called Lucy Powery, who okay. is wonderful. She's written a book called Paper Heart Society. Very young adult. Title. Yes. Yeah. So I haven't read Queenie yet. I've been listening to it. Oh my God, Queenie is amazing. Is it, yeah, because yeah. I can't read at the moment because of this child. Oh. So I'm doing those audio books. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I've got Queenie. Queenie. Queenie's on BBC Sounds. Is it? Yeah, yeah, so that's why I'm listening to it. Um, oh, it's great. I yeah. might listen to the audiobook, even though I've yeah. read it, because I just absolutely loved it. Yeah. And I feel like Queenie is such a, like, turning point as well with books, in that it's it's diverse and it speaks to a whole new generation of people in the way that, like, maybe Bridget Jones did when yeah. we were younger. I, and I love Bridget Jones. Yeah. I, I've maintained one of the funniest... Is it a British movie? I think it is. One of the, yeah. One of the funniest British movies ever made. It still makes me laugh. In the first one where she goes to the Tarts and Vickers party, I just cry. I know. It's so ridiculous. I love Adrian Mole. Yeah. I've gotten how much I loved Adrian Mole. So I've got a bookshop where I live. Um, and every time I walk past it, I buy a book. It's just yeah. outrageous. But they sell lots of secondhand books. And I got Adrian Mole Cappuccino years for 99. Oh, that is it's, such a good one. <laughs> and um, it, I'd forgotten how formative those books were for me as a young person because he was so awkward yeah and I now reflect on it I think those books really informed my humor actually yeah um, just making people look small people are so small and petty but yeah showing that pettiness from someone who's even smaller and petty it's <laughs> great yeah I think I reread all of those um quite recently and was just like blown away <laughs> By how funny they are. And his obsession. It's so it's so pertinent now with me too. Yeah. Which one you like? 
how would you describe yourself as a teenager? Terrible. Um, <laughs> Terrible. You're a bad teenager. What, I was. What's a bad teen? What's a good teenager? I mean, I don't know if there is like a definition for because I think really, I think teenagers now are given such a bad rep, and mm. I think essentially they just need more support. Yeah. And I think if I was a teenager now, I don't know what I'd do because you've got social media is constantly there, phones are constantly there. Yeah. There's like budget cuts so the mental health system isn't what it used to be so you know they've got the whole thing where the government's putting money into giving teachers mental first age training and you just think why are you giving that to teachers who are already yeah Yeah. they're not trained they're already overstretched all that's going to happen is that they're going to get referred back to the nhs again yeah why not give that money to the nhs young people get a bad rep so first of all when people say complain about the youth they should be complaining about the adults because it's the adults that are teaching yeah. the youth and they're learning from and secondly I think that when I was young I was kind of like very unfashionable we didn't yeah. have a lot of money and you know my mum didn't understand like designer clothes and stuff like that so even if I asked for a feeler trainer she'd been like feeler alone, <laughs> you know so you know I was very awkwardly dressed I was a bit chubby I was shy uh, lots of insecurities but I kind of I didn't have to worry about people not liking my posts on Instagram. I, when yeah. I went home and watched TV, I watched The Crystal Maze. I didn't watch Love Island. I was kind of spoken to via things like Big Magazine and Smash Hits Magazine. So these yeah. are like disposable things. So the things that made me feel insecure, I could go get away from quite easily. And yeah. it was very easy, I think, to be a bit of a nerd back in the 90s and the early 2000s because you could just lock yourself away and no one would bother you. Whereas teenagers, I feel for them now, I think it's harder to hide from the oppressive things. So, you know, I mentioned Love Island. I don't know if I would have coped well as a teenager with what teenagers have to cope with now. I would have found my insecurities amplified Mm. massively by all the baby oil and the six packs and the bikinis. And and the the filters. Yeah, the boohoo.com mini dresses that cost five pounds. Um, Yeah. And I feel like teenagers are being seen as a resource for money. You know, like, okay, old people are broke because they're trying to pay their mortgages. Even old people are broke because their pension have been taken away. But now I've got these teenagers who don't have a lot of money, but the money they do have, they're willing to squander because they don't have any aspirations to save or do yeah. anything like that. So they're being targeted um, in this way, which makes me worry about teenagers. And that's why the mental health conversation, I think, is yeah. so much more um, coming to the fore now because it's affecting the young people. So this yeah. book's going to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> this was going to fix that. So were you, I guess it sounds like you were quite unhappy as a teenager. Um, I had quite a bad eating disorder. Um, right. I was quite badly anorexic and I didn't really have many friends. Right. Um, and I think that is very much of the the nature of having an eating disorder is that you do sort of isolate yourself you don't really want to make friends with people did you consider that you had one and that you wanted to get well or did you think this is me I want to own this well interestingly enough when I started to get friends when I started to get a bit older I um so I was really into music I played guitar I was quite good at it when I was about 15 I was in a band with some older boys yeah maybe some of which I might have fancied a little bit maybe Um, Uh, and as I started to do that and I got more friends and I started to feel like life was a bit better I like realized and I think when you start hanging out with people again you're like these people eat 
they're eating quite what I would consider quite a lot. And right. for them, that's... And you start, like, piecing stuff together in your head. And I sort of realized when I was about 17, 18, like, I think I might need to do something about this. Right. So it, was, it wasn't like someone intervened. You personally... No. Yeah. You personally kind of thought to yourself, this isn't sustainable yeah. or enjoyable. Yeah. And I got to a, a stage where I was auditioning for music colleges and yeah. like the level of practice I was having to do, I was getting really bad pains in my back and my arms. And the doctor was like, well, it's because you're not eating enough to like sustain your like yourself basically yeah. and your muscles are knackered. Um and yeah, so it was really like, I have to do something. Yeah. So what, what I think you're saying is that a sense of purpose really yeah. get you better. Yeah. Which is, and that's not necessarily going to apply to everyone. No. Um, do you think that then helps you with your other depression and anxiety issues? Is that maybe what stand-up comedy was the attempt to do? Like, I could be a comedian, I'd get out of the house. Yeah, there was, there was definitely that. And it was like, if I could be a comedian, I could make myself and other people laugh. Yeah. Um, that's a reason to get to get out. But also like the, the awful thing with depression is that you can do things that are really good and you will think they're really bad. So is that depression? I thought that's just. I thought that's <laughs> shocking. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Yeah. Does it come to the point where you think it's so bad you you withhold it to your detriment. Yeah. 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 So certainly with stand-up, I became so anxious yeah. and so afraid of doing things that were really bad mm. that I just sort of stopped doing it. So so this is what I think about stand-up. Right? And again, this is quite a well-documented quality of the art form. It's one of the only creative endeavours that we create in front of the consumer. Mm. Okay, what's well, the only one that happens? Like, if I'm a songwriter, I go in my studio and I write songs and I write songs and I write songs. I'm like, oh, this is a good one. And all the crap ones get put in the bin, right? Yeah. Well, we don't really, I mean, you get to a point where you know when your jokes are decent or bad, but we don't really know until we get out there and say it and make people laugh. So, what comedy made me do, for, what comedy did for me is it made me become comfortable with being bad. Yeah. So, rather than thinking, oh, everything I do is great, I suddenly think, well, if it's bad, I'm only going to know if I expose that, just expose the shit to people. Yeah. If the shit stinks, they'll wave away the smell and we'll <laughs> carry on. And that was very, uh, that going for that process definitely has been a benefit to me now because it does make you quite fearless. I even, I have a, a incredible fear of failure. And yeah. It's held me back massively in my career and all, for all kinds of reasons, all kinds of ways. But I've pulled myself <laughs> in the industry <laughs> with that fear, just knowing that there's a level at which I can just bomb and it's totally fine. Um, I'll, just, I'll just take that money from the promoter, I apologise. And then like, <laughs> hope the next gig will be better, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. what I got out of comedy. And it's great. It's great to suddenly realise every failing is a lesson or every loss is a learning. I think I've seen that on Twitter or something. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen on Instagram Twitter where failing is not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to be less outraged. Um, yeah. there's a th- James Baldwin has a very famous quote, which is, to be conscious is to be angry all the time. Yeah. And, but, like, you have to be <laughs> conscious of the right thing. Like, yeah. And I think, I feel like social media, particularly Twitter, like, everyone's, like, hyper-conscious of, like... My phone, I still have... My phone's really old. I don't like to upgrade my phone. And I still have the plastic film on my phone. It's quite sticky. So sometimes when I'm scrolling through things, I like things by accident. Oh, I and, do that. Oh, it's my worst 
people will get, uh, did you mean to like this Athena you know you're <laughs> a Nazi so what do you think do you think I meant to like it and you got to go back and unlike the damn thing and he done it by accident it's just because my, my, you know I wear a lot of makeup and it makes my phone sticky I mean <laughs> that's all it is and you shouldn't have to apologise for that <laughs> for having you know wearing a lot of makeup and making your phone sticky also, yeah you know, people who you would never imagine say the most outrageous things on Twitter and you think but I've met you and you're really nice yeah like I don't understand you're a really nice dude why are you acting in this way yeah and it's because you don't have um, like evolution in, in evolutionary terms I'm not an anthropologist I'm making this all up <laughs> I'm making this all up but in evolutionary terms all of our habits and um, uh, eccentricities as humans and the way we interact come from us talking like this so yeah. we, we, we make an eye contact there's pheromones flying around there's embarrassment <laughs> there's laughter there's all of this stuff and all of the things that would normally um, police our behaviour disappear when you're in a basement and so there's no policing anymore. And people yeah. get brave with that anonymity. Um, so they I'm, do. The, I'm mute now. I'm mute. I get so many. I mean, I think it's good that I get lots of comments now because it means that I'm doing something right. Yeah. Career-wise. But so, I get so much, like, trash. I just mute, mute, mute. And Because I, I realise they're not worth any time. Yeah. They're just being argumentative because they're bored. Yeah. And it's sad, yeah. really, that they don't have better things to do. <laughs> well, I think we, I think we need to do a lot to make sure the generation of young people we have now, who have known nothing but social media, don't become that yeah. person in sort of ten, twenty years' time. Because it's easily done. But it's so tricky as well. I think it must be tricky for teenagers to step away from their phones now. I can't do it because I'm 37, I can't do it. Yeah, because yeah. you're like, well, what's going on there without me? Mm. Like, what's it's like everyone's at a party and there's loads happening then you're not you've chosen yeah FOMO that's what it is <laughs> that's what the kids um, call it for the older people that's fear of missing out Kate's okay, a little bit younger than, than me I'm down <laughs> with the down with the kids now um, <laughs> do you like do you, do you like Red Dwarf I do I haven't watched that in years oh, though there's just a really I can't there's, it's in the it's something that's detailed in one of the books it's in episode two where people uh, get addicted to a virtual reality headset oh, and yeah. when they put them on they're in like this amazing world um, but when you take them off you realise they're just like drug addicts in the street just like passed out homeless but these head- in, when they put these headsets on it's like everything's great and people get addicted and that's it's, and I always, I'm always thinking of the episode and that yeah. story because it's just like social media that's what it's like yeah. and people are, whilst they're staring at their phones they're not looking up and they're not seeing like the world around them to me taking a selfie is such an odd concept yeah it is it's massively odd because it's like how often do you need a picture of your face yeah how often do you need to show that to people but then i can't talk because i have got literally like a thousand pictures of my cat on my phone <laughs> i like to document every little it's, it's, thing it's that he does like a, one of those time lapse things where you just show angus getting bigger oh can we say the cat's name yeah of okay. course we can it's fine I don't, I don't know why we wouldn't be able to do that i had <laughs> to sign think. a uh, social media release form for him the other day why, what will happen <laughs> well because i took him to the vet and they were like oh my god he's the cutest kitten i've ever seen um, can we take a picture of him for our social media? And I was like, yeah, of course you can. And then they produced this paperwork and they were like, yeah, we just need you to like sign his release form to say he consents. That's really funny. Like, he does he consent? Well, I asked him and he said nothing because he's a kitten. So I think <laughs> probably. Angus, do you mind if this vet puts you on their social media stream and he's there just like eating his tail? Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, he just the the things that that kitten does because um, he's he's five months now, um, and I think I feel about my kitten the way most people feel about their children. And I can. I mean, I feel about your kitten the same way I feel about my child. Like, <laughs> it's really cute. The thing is, if you ask a cat, can I go on Instagram? The cats will be like, well, yeah, that's how we're taking over the world. Yeah, you're literally, you're literally giving us the planet on a plate. Of course, from on Instagram, he's reaching. Like, I think he might be reaching adolescence because okay. I've noticed him doing some what's, stuff what's just cat? lately. Is he, is he a good teenage cat or a bad teenage cat? I mean, he's quite a hilarious one. So I walked into the living room the other day and my boyfriend was just going, oh my God, Kate, Kate. And I was like, what? And he was like, well, the cat's just like there, like licking his balls and he's got an erection. <laughs> teenage years. Yeah. And I was like, if teenage boys can lick their balls. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, our kitten is wanking. I need to make him some pants. Like, so we've booked him in for his, you know, for his little op. Oh, he's going to get neutered. Yeah. Oh, you can't have a kitten giving himself one. You know, it's, it takes a You can't put that on Instagram, can you? Well, no, exactly. And I need him to stay decent so that he can sell my well, book he for me. Was he not his balls? Because a lot of a lot of guys don't do that. If, if we lived in a matriarchy, we wouldn't be sending frem fresh, all right? We'd yeah. be sending like ball fresh. Well, some of them the need issue. it though, don't they? I often I'm gonna write a show about this. I think, but I often think. What about that. ball cheese? No. no. <laughs> What freak do you think I am? Can you imagine a show about Wall Street? Wall No, so I would think about what, how the world would be different if we were in a matriarchy. So I think a lot about how, um, for a long time, it's always happened, uh, women get blamed uh, for rape culture. You're wearing this, uh, you yeah. let him on. In a matriarchy, what would happen is we'd say, well, actually, it was, um, it was, you know, I was ovulating and it was irresistible and I couldn't help myself, Your Honour. Because obviously, as people, anyone who's tried for a child, anyone who understands the female cycle will know that as you ovulate, you just become really horny. That's yeah. A, and then it's, it, studies have shown that women dress more provocatively um, when they're ovulating because they're trying to attract, attract a mate. You know Is this? that why I do it? You just ovulate all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, 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 it, we understand men and their quote unquote urges because we talk about it all the time. You know, men need this, but women have the same chemical urges too that are evolutionary and but it um, wasn't that long ago like it wasn't that long ago that we were called hysterical for having urges and sent to a doctor to sort them out but men were allowed to go out and like men literally drop bombs on countries because of their you know their their big dick energy big dick energy (laughs) whatever you want to call it you know when you think you know when you think about like sexual violence for example like yeah it's excused but it's just accepted that men behave in this way but yeah. even in a matriarchy, that's one of the things that would basically... And men would be like, it's not fair. Just because you're ovulating doesn't mean you should have tied me up in your basement. But we'd have been like, well... <laughs> you gave me no choice. It's, it's, it's how we were made. Yeah. So the other thing I think about is like this obsession with like how vagina should be presented and what it should look like. Whereas, I'm sorry, dicks come in a much larger variety of shapes and sizes and unders. Yeah. You know, and we would be th- talking that about that more if we were in a matriarchy. Well, exactly. And I feel like there's this whole expectation for women to be like neat and tidy, whereas yeah. men are just like, just flop it out and seen do dick? what you do. Like, how dare you? I haven't seen a dick actually, <laughs> Athena. I find this very offensive. A man once did send me a picture of his penis and I responded with a picture of a cabbage because <laughs> I was just so taken aback. It was a cabbage I was holding. I was cooking dinner <laughs> and I was like, why is this man that said like two words to me and has a girlfriend? 
page. Um, why has he sent me a picture of his knob? And then I was like, I don't really know what to do with this. So I sent him a picture of a cabbage. Did he respond? No. No. <laughs> um, what? Cabbage pick? <laughs> is that all he thought that it was my... <laughs> maybe he thought it was my vagina and he was really concerned for me. There's a lot of things in nature that looks like vaginas. There are a lot of things. There's a lot of fruit. There's um, this is there's a shellfish in Ghana. We call that a fanny. The a fanny. <laughs> no, it like a fanny. <laughs> it does. Is, really is it a fanny fish? It's like, it does like but mussels that like bananas too. Is it a fanny? Is it like mussels? Like the actual flesh of a mussel. You make up in a mussel. I never thought about it. I mean, it's what it does, isn't it? Isn't it weird? Oh my god! I think um, one one day someone needs to write. I'm going to write a young adult fiction about things in nature that look like vaginas. There's I mean, loads that, of fruit that looks like vaginas. Do you think do you think we should do like a game like fruit or funny? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I think we should do a game in actual fact. Yes, I absolutely think we should. Could you make that yeah. like a prerequisite of going on your podcast is that people have to play fruit or funny with you? Having a baby, people talk about depression a lot. What having a baby does, I think, more than making you depressed, is it makes you anxious. Yeah. Yeah, and people are always telling you, oh, you know, you might have depression, and that's actually not what you have. Most of the time you have anxiety, and I will say the one thing I got after I was born, I definitely had post-PTSD, because it's really traumatic having a baby, and I had lots of weird things happen um, when whilst she was being born and after she was born, and for about a month, maybe two months afterwards... I had the most horrendous nightmares. Oh, horrendous. No. Yeah, like they were real. And things like leaving her on a bus or um, putting her in a pushchair and like putting the cover over. And then next time I set the cover up, she's not there. <gasps> like all those kind of like wake I'd wake up like drenched in sweat, uh, stuff like that. And I didn't realise at the time that's what I had because everyone talks to you about depression. Yeah. And actually, anxiety, again, it's an evolutionary thing. Like it makes you fret over your baby. You know, yeah. it makes you... And we're mammals, so babies are supposed to be with us the whole time, right? So it's that thing that makes you kind of like have them with you the whole time. Kittens, though. I bet did you get PTSD when you got your kitten? Um, no, but I did get very anxious that he kept playing with things that might kill him. Oh, but that's what they, that's what our babies do. Oh, amount of times I I look at my child and there's something in her in her mouth. Yeah. Like, what have you eaten? What have you eaten? It'll be like a bit of her nappy. It's like, how did you tear off how a you? piece of your nappy? Like, are we that determined? They're absolutely ridiculous. Hairbands. Yeah. She can't wear hairbands anymore. I was like, where's your hairband gone? And it was just hanging out of her mouth. Yeah. Like, oh, There's God. so many things I used to leave lying around the flat that I can't anymore. No, because, yeah. And your cat's teething, isn't it? He's teething. I did not know kittens could teeth, but they he's teething. You need, you know what you need? You need antenatal kitten classes. I do. To learn how to look after these these kittens. Yeah. Um, to learn how to be a proper kitten mum well, and, and deal with them when they're, you know, licking their own balls in the living room. <laughs> when, they're, when they're wanky. Yeah. <laughs> Give them some privacy. Oh my God, this is a normal and natural part of nature. They're just yeah. exploring their sexuality. Oh my God. Do you think out, I man. should buy him some porn? Buy him a girl cat or guy cat. Might be gay. Oh, he could be. Yeah. Well, shall I like lay out a variety of porn for him? See what he goes for. Yeah. I don't know what cat porn looks like. Like a calendar. Like I a don't know. If, calendar. I don't know. I don't know if we'd get arrested if we tried to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's with his dad watching cricket. That's uh, what they're saying. And wanking. <laughs> yeah. We're just watching the cricket, quote unquote. Yeah, I bet they are. <laughs> Kate, this has been enlightening. And <laughs> 
tell Thank us, you. Tell us again what we should be looking out for or where we should be looking for an announcement about your soon-to-be-published new young adult fiction work of literature. Um, so um, I should be making an announcement in the next couple of weeks on my social media, which is at Kate Liz Weston. Thank you. Thank you for having me around. So that's what happened when Kate Weston came to keep my company. I think we covered it all. I'm so appreciative of her sharing her stories of her teenage years and her young adult years and how that um, helped her become a creative or even better, how becoming a creative helps her get over those things. I hope you've got as much out of that conversation as I did. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, follow, subscribe, tell your mates, do whatever you normally do with podcasts you like. And I will see you next time.